to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Barbara Shipley, I think 95% of you in here know that, but for those of you who don't, that's my name, and first I just want to take a minute to, to pray and ask the Lord to guide me. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would help me this night and help me to present your word in the best way that you would want me to do it. Guide my heart and guide my tongue to do and say the right thing. And Lord, I just pray that it would touch whoever needs it. And I give you all the praise and glory in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, if you're following in your Bible, <clears throat> mine is the Spirit-Filled Life Bible. It's a new King James Version. So the words might not be exact if yours is an old King James Bible. But it's very, very close. Okay, now, just for the record's sake, the Lord downloaded this to me about two months ago. And when he does this, I know pastor's going to ask me to teach because he doesn't do that just for it to sit there. But I had no clue he was going to ask me for two days after Christmas. So the title sounds a little eerie, like a little sad, but... But just bear with me, okay? And he always gives me the title first, and then he starts, you know, giving me words and getting me into the scriptures and writing it down and everything. So I'm guessing this is needed from someone or I wouldn't have done it. So the title tonight is called, Why Are You So Downcast? The first thing I noticed with this title is the word down. We're always focusing on something, and when you're looking down, you get a pretty good look at what's physically near you, including yourself. In the Old Testament, I've seen scriptures that say, then I lifted up mine eyes. That's referring to focusing on God in prayer and not on your circumstances. If you want to turn to Psalms 121, 1 through 8. Are we there? Okay. It says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I know that we are spirits who live in a physical body and have souls. That's our mind, will, and emotions. We can't help but see the physical that is around us in our physical bodies. So naturally, we're always seeing and hearing and experiencing that which is around us. The question is, how do you respond to it? On a personal level, we are individuals and may not be going through the same things. 
However, if anyone understands you and is more than willing to be your help, it's Jesus. He knows what it's like to be falsely accused, physically harmed, verbally attacked, hated for no reason, spit upon, betrayed, and even hung on a cross to die. If you're having a problem making a decision, remember James 1 and 5. You can turn there if you want to. I'm sure you've heard it many times, but his word never grows old. It says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. The Holy Spirit in us guides us in all truth if we just ask. If you're having a problem with a relationship with a person, get alone in prayer and seek God on how to respond or not respond. Pray the word over that person and yourself. Many times God will tell you to do something for that person that in the natural they don't deserve, but God knows exactly what that person is going through and maybe being attacked by possibly demonic influence. In that case, you would look past their hurtful words or attitude and pray for their deliverance. The flesh says they deserve whatever terrible outcome they get. The Holy Spirit in you says just love them, and you may say they don't deserve it. And I'm reminded of Proverbs 25, 21, and 22. You can turn there if you'd like. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Notice that God tells us to do good things to and for our enemies, not just our friends. Although you may be having a difficulty in a relationship with a friend or loved one and feel like they're acting like an enemy, God doesn't tell us to do good because we feel like it. We're just supposed to do it because he said to do it. In 1 Corinthians 8, God tells us that love never fails. I believe that means continual love. I remind myself of the word never because sometimes it doesn't seem like anything is changing even though you're loving the person. But God's not a liar. So regardless of how it looks, your love is touching that person. If you're having a problem with money, seek God first. I'm not condemning anyone when I say this, but are you tithing? Asking God for direction in your spending and taking care of your necessary things first? Putting God first makes all the difference. This is the beauty of having the Holy Spirit in you to guide you in all things. He doesn't mind if you ask him even the simple things. I've even asked him to tell me which store to go to get the item I want for the best price. And he tells me. You might say, did you hear him say it? That's not usually the way it happens. I ask and mention stores and he brings to my mind which one. Many times if I go in the wrong direction, I feel a heaviness in my heart and change directions. This heavy feeling, the urge of the Holy Spirit will do that when you are tempted to say or do the wrong thing too. It's up to you if you will be sensitive to his prompting. Now tithing puts a supernatural protection on your finances. You will pay less for things, maybe even get them free. <laughs> your things will last longer. Example, maybe your car, maybe your appliances, you know, those expensive things. And you'll be satisfied with all of your needs met and some of your wants, too. 
just like a child, God doesn't give us everything we want because some of it's just not so good for us and we don't know that. God not only tells us to tithe, but he says we can prove him in it. It's like he's saying, I dare you to do it and see what happens. I told God one time that I couldn't afford to tithe, and he quickly responded and said, you can't afford not to tithe. So in Malachi 3, if you want to turn there, is verses 8 through 11. I'm sure Patrick's very familiar with that one. <laughs> it says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? You know, you say, how can I rob God? He's God. He said, in tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. It's like he's saying, I dare you to do it and see what happens. The Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. And I like this part the best. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So basically, the devil gets a verbal spanking. I love that part. I've heard people say that you don't have to tithe, but give according to what you think is best in your heart, and that it's not in the New Testament, but only in the Old Testament. Well, I believe the whole Bible is God's word for us, and I personally don't want to curse on my finances. And I love those people, but they're ignorant of the word of God when they say that. No, you don't have to tithe. God will not zap you if you don't. But you will continually have problems in your finances because you unknowingly give the devil permission to have at it. He will not be rebuked verbally, put in his place by God, to stay off of your money. It's up to you if you decide to tithe or not. And yes, it is in the New Testament as well. If you want to, you can turn to Luke chapter 18, verses 11 through 13. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I wonder how big his head really was, you know. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The tax collector repented, and Jesus forgave him. But notice that Jesus didn't dispute what the Pharisee said about tithing. Are you continually listening to or looking at negative things or information? Negative people around you most likely are not saved by Jesus, and they do and say what comes natural to them. They're living and responding fleshly in sin. They will be a whole different person if they were saved by accepting Jesus into their hearts and repenting of their sins. They then would have the love of God instead of selfishness and sin. You should always see people with godly potential and understand that they are being influenced by their father, the devil. They don't know how to love properly because the love of God is not in them. Pray for their salvation. Are you watching negative things on your television or computer? We need to stay informed, but we also need to feed our spirits the word of God regularly every day. People saved or unsaved are daily being subjected to things in life 
And boy, talk about being subjected now. The world has really accelerated with corruption. You choose what you focus on and how you react to people or circumstances. Remember who you are if you're a believer in Jesus as your Savior. You are a blood-bought, spirit-filled child of the living God. You are a son or daughter of the King, Jesus. You are a king and a priest over your own life, not other people's lives. You are a saint. You are holy and righteous. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. You are here to do whatever God wants you to do and bring Him glory. You are here to love God and love people. You are God's beloved. None of it is because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did, what he did on the cross. Don't forget who you are. You are here to destroy the works of the devil and keep him under your feet. You are above and greater than anything that tries to come against you on this earth. Turn to Ephesians 1, 15 through 22. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. This is what's being prayed for us. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places." far above principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, which is us. The fullness of him who fills all in all. This is what Jesus did for you. He got that for you. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. The same power that Jesus has over the devil and demons and evil is in us. It's up to us to wield that power by the word of God coming out of our mouths and by faith. But you must stay in the word, do what he says, and remember that you are an eternal being made in the image of God. This time on the earth is temporary, but your future is eternal. We think about eternity as long... Wait, excuse me. Go back to the side. Are you mourning over a loved one who passed away? Now, this was really weird for me to teach two days after Christmas, but I think some people might need to hear that. In fact, my husband just lost his brother like a little over a week ago, so it's pretty close to Christmas for him. It's perfectly normal to feel sad over a lost loved one or friend, but were they a believer? And yes, his brother got saved. Yes. Had they accepted Jesus as their Savior? If they did, don't forget what Jesus said. 
in John 11, 25 and 26. And I, I would encourage everyone to have this one written down or memorized. If you ever lose a loved one and they're saved, it's always good to read this one out loud to yourself, what Jesus said. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he said, do you believe this? As long as we are in these physical bodies on the earth, we will experience the death of someone we know. But when we think about eternity, then 80 to 100 years or more on this earth has no comparison when time will no longer be a factor. You know, that one kind of blows my mind that time is not a factor once you go on. Because we're so used to looking at clocks or, you know, checking the time all the time. Now, I lost my brother and my mother a few years ago, and their deaths were seven weeks apart. It was a very emotional and sad time for me, but God is not a liar, and they were saved, and I will see them again. I have also lost my father in death. I believe he's saved too because of an encounter that I had with the Lord when I was awakened in the middle of the night and led to a scripture that comforted me and let me know that my father was with Jesus. When someone dies, they leave the physical body. The Bible tells us that if we were absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. We, meaning the people who accepted Jesus as their Savior. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1-8 through 8. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven, if indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. This means that a saved person, their spirit and soul, that's their mind, their will, and their emotions, leave the physical earthly body and are present with the Lord. There's no in-between holding place. Yes, I was told that all growing up as a child, that there was an in-between place. That if you weren't quite that bad, but you weren't quite that good, you would go to this in-between place, and people would light candles down here and pray for you, and you might get in. It's not in the Bible. I've searched. I can't find it. Okay. We are promised a superior body, and I notice the scripture calls the earthly body a tent. But the new one that God gives us is referred to as a building. I don't know about you, but I'd rather live in a building if I had a choice. Now, we know that God promises healing for our bodies while we're here on the earth. We're here for his purposes, and we can't complete that if we're not well. So he definitely wants us healed. He died for our healing, too. We are here for his purposes, and when our mission is finished, then we go to be with him. After all this that I've said, I want to mention a little on your future. If you pass away before the rapture, then you will be in heaven with Jesus. And by the way, you should read some of the scriptures about heaven. It's pretty mind-blowing. 
However, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, you can turn there if you want to, it tells us that there will be a rapture, a catching away on the earth, when Jesus meets the believers that are still on the earth in the clouds. Now, he doesn't come down to the earth, he meets them in the clouds. Because I've heard people say, well, how many times has he come? And they count that one as him coming to the earth. And that's not what the Bible says. It says we meet him in the clouds. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, that would be us if, you know, we're still here at that time, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. I believe the rapture will take place before God pours his wrath out on the earth. Some people don't believe that. That's my personal belief. God has not changed, and just as he saved Noah, his wife, three sons, and their wives on the ark and spared them from the flood, I believe he will spare his sons and daughters from the great tribulation that will come upon the earth for seven years. I believe we believers who are raptured will join with other believers already in heaven to celebrate our wedding with Jesus. Ooh, it's party time. He's the groom and we are his bride. And I have noted that Jewish weddings are typically done for seven days. So I believe the number seven has significance and we believers will be experiencing an awesome party with our Lord. Hallelujah. I have a great imagination. Also, another part of our future will be a trip on white horses with our Lord when he comes back to the earth to set things straight. We're going to be with him. We're his army that comes with him. Men will have made a terrible mess of things trying to do life without God, as people always do. In Revelation 19, 11 through 14, this is where it talks about it. Revelation 19, 11 through 14. Now, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, that would be Jesus, and in righteousness he judges and makes war against the devil and his demons who are influencing wicked unbelievers on the earth. So now you know why people are acting so crazy, they're being influenced by demons and the devil. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. Now this is Jesus we're talking about. This is a pretty bad dude. Okay. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, Jesus, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Hope you like horses. I know I do. <clears throat> I do believe that many people will be saved even after the rapture and during the tribulation as well. Revelation 7 and 13 and 14 makes me choose to believe that. And it says, Then one of the elders answers, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where do they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. I love that answer. Right? Oh, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So 
I think there's going to be a lot of, obviously, it's already, you can see it starting now, anti-Semitism and anti-Christian. People are going to be coming against the Christians and the Jews, but much worse once the rapture happens. And I think a lot of people, sadly, who accept the Lord as their Savior will be beheaded because the Bible talks about it. It's pretty horrible. I hate to even say it, but it's in there. But remember, absent from the body, present with the Lord. They don't have that tent anymore. They get a building, and they will have eternity with the Savior and not ever have that pain or suffering or torment again from people on the earth. Okay. After all of this, we can look forward to the millennium. That's when we will have a thousand years of peace with our Lord on the earth, and Satan will be bound during this time. That's in Revelation 20. These things have not happened yet, and we are not to be so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good, because we're here in this time and age for a purpose, and that's getting people saved, healed, and delivered, and bringing glory to our Lord Jesus. So we are to tarry until he comes for us. Just keep your eyes on him. And that's what's not so easy in this world because everything's always in front of us. Keep your eyes on him and what he wants and let your hearts be glad looking forward to eternity forever and ever with our Lord. Hallelujah. I know this is short and sweet, <laughs> but this is where it ended for me. But I hope that if any of you we're struggling with any of these things that were mentioned, that you can look back on these scriptures and remember that Jesus will never leave you or forsake you, that he's your friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that he really wants you to be in on what he's doing. He's not hiding everything from you. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to do well. He wants you to be fruitful. And, you know, it's only the enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus comes that you would have life and have it more abundantly. So, you know, no matter what goes on around you, you can always encourage yourself and know that as a believer, God's not going to let you down. Not even food, because I've heard people say, you know, well, you know, what if there's no food, you know? And I don't, I don't remember the scripture reference, but I know there's one in there where it says, I once was young and now I'm old, but I've not once seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. So God will make a way for you to get food, even if the stores don't have it. Because I, you know, it's happened to me several times in my life. You've already, already heard my fish story, so I probably won't put you through that one again. But that was such a perfect thing, you know, with my children and no dinner. And my husband caught the biggest fish he's ever caught on a snag hook on a 10-pound fishing line. <laughs> I have a picture somewhere, it comes all the way up to his, above his breast there, all the way up. And it was so much fish, I couldn't even fit it in my freezer. I had to share it with people, I couldn't fit it in or it would have wasted. And it was, if anybody knows anything about fishing, it was a snook. They're like the best. So when God gives you something, he don't give you junk. He gives you the good stuff. Yes. So you don't have to worry yourself, there's always... You know, you may not see it with your eyes, but God provides it for you if you just pay attention because it's out there. Yeah. And same thing with your healing. You know, it's provided for you. He says so in the scriptures. When you say his word, it's true. No matter what your body tries to tell you, it's still the truth. So, you know, sometimes you have to stand a little longer. Sometimes it's instant. 
Sometimes it's not. You keep standing. It already happened, but you don't see the results of it yet. So you can't let go of that. And sometimes he'll tell you something that you need to do for your own physical body that you live in because your body's not the same as everybody else's. And that one little simple thing could change everything for you. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, don't, don't lose heart. Don't give up. I know it's right after Christmas and you're probably wondering, you know, where did this come from? <laughs> but I think I'm supposed to share it. So that's why I did. And I hope somebody out there has hope and encouragement and knows that, you know, this is not all there is. This is what we are to do until he calls us. And once we get there, you better hope you get along with everybody here because it's eternity there. <laughs> forever and ever and ever and ever and ever anyway i'll let you guys go early and i hope you receive something the king.